The last week of our series called Mixtape. I have enjoyed this series. Premise is real, real simple. We're taking some of our favorite sermons and we're putting them all on a mixtape, putting them all in the same series where we can go back and listen to them. Next week we start the one of the only traditions that we have around here. We have two traditions here at Action Church. We do a rock and Christmas Eve and tailgating, and then every summer we do a series called the Summer of Rock. We're starting that series next week. Summer of Rock, the Southern Rock edition. Next week I'm going to be breaking down the theology, not the theology of the Bible, though we're going to back it up with the Bible. I'm going to be breaking down the theology of Whipping Post by the Almond Brothers. I'm super excited about that. I love that song. Can't wait to hear the band do it. It is going to be a fun series. We have got our sermon series, knock on wood, planned out throughout the end of the year, and hopefully, man, we stick to that. It's going to be exciting. We've got some good things coming up. Today, we're going to wrap up the series. Man, we have covered a lot of stuff. We have talked about jumping in pits with lions and taking risks. We have talked to the women during this series. We, we have talked just about how good God is during this series. And today we're going to wrap it up with one of the things that I am most passionate about. And we're going to be talking to the dudes today. Ladies, this will be your opportunity to amen because the men will not be amening today. Ladies, this will be a good day for you to take notes where you can throw them back in your husband or your man's face down the road because we are going to cut no corners today with the men. We're going to be straight up with the men because the problem is we have a pandemic in our country that is way worse than COVID ever was. We have a pandemic that we got very few men anymore. We got a lot of grown boys, but very few men. Dare I say that we actually live in a society that has neutered Masculinity. Society says masculinity is toxic. No toxic masculinity is toxic. See, we we swipe with broad strokes. So we take the extreme of the masculine, and there are definitely, excuse my language, but again, we're talking to the men today. There's definitely asshole men out there. Ladies, talk to me today now. Listen. You don't get this very often. There's men out there that have misguided views of what being a man is. I, I, I fight, I'm a man. I, I'm a jerk, I'm a man. I, I'm loud, I'm a man. With all these things, I hunt, I shoot, I fish, I do whatever it is that we say, and that's what kind of we've evolved into masculinity. We, we lord over everyone. But then society has come along, and, and they've mocked men. Look at every TV show. Look at every movie. Who's the goofiest, stupidest idiot that can't function in life? It's the man. And we've kind of screwed up what masculinity is because as I say a lot about a lot of different subjects, we tend to be a society that swings to the extremes. Men are incompetent. Men are simply ignorant barbarians. Which one's true? Well, the truth is normally found somewhere in the middle. You ever had any friends that are in a relationship and they're not getting along? Ever had friends that are in a relationship and they're not getting along and you listen to his story? And then you go listen to her story? And the reality is, the truth's in the middle. There's three sides to every story. She's seeing things through her view. He's seeing things through his view. And they're both missing out on things, and there's the truth right there in the middle. There's three sides to every story. Where there's three sides normally to every issue. There's the extremes, and then there's the biblical way. And then what's happened, though, is because society has deemed men as barbarian, low overlords, dictators, oppressive of women. The church does what it normally does, and it swings sometimes to that other extreme. And the church has done a phenomenal job of feminizing masculinity. It really has. The church has castrated men. We no longer allow men to be men. We see it when we have young boys. We, we have children, and what do we try to do? We try to discipline the wild out of the boys. 
Well, what do we want to teach our boys to be? We want to teach them to be good little boys. But God bursts something in boys that makes them wild, and instead of teaching them how to be wild and, and, and know when to be wild and when not to be wild, let's just try to get the wild out of them. And the church has become something that is led by very non-masculine men. Let's just be real honest today. Some of the most non-masculine men you'll ever meet are pastors. Manicured nails, pedicured feet, fabulous hair, no calluses on their hand. They've got their, their cemetery degree, excuse me, their seminary degree. And they're nice guys. But they're nice guys and they have to be a certain way because the church has shifted to where overall the church focuses on reaching women and not reaching men. Church is one of the only places that you will go where there's almost double the women look around than there is men. We've catered to women so much that men want nothing to do with the church. And we have feminine men leading the church, and we wonder why they've turned Jesus into basically a bearded chick. I mean, think about it. We've taken this dude, Jesus, who was a man's man. He was a carpenter. He was a man who was not afraid of confrontation. He was also a man who was not afraid of love. We took a man who was beaten and hung on a cross for our sins, and we've turned him into some passive hippie. Think about most pictures that you've seen of Jesus, portraits that you've seen of Jesus. I always get a kick out of the long, flowing, perm hairdo that Jesus has. I always think it's funny. He's the only dark-skinned Jewish guy I've ever seen with beautiful blue eyes in all the paintings. It's amazing. His beautiful white robe, and he's got a purple sash. And then my favorite portrait of Jesus is on the Passover when he's riding in on the donkey side saddle like a girl would ride a horse. We've neutered Jesus. We've emasculated Jesus. We've cut the nuts off of Jesus. And then we wonder why men want nothing to do with church. The church has become careless when it comes to masculinity, and the results are literally staggering. Did you know they say the average church attendance on Sunday morning is 61% female, 39% male? There are 13 million more women in church today than men. 25% of the married women in church today will go to church without their husband. Listen to this. You really want to be staggered by a stat? 70% of the boys who grow up in church, 70% will leave the church when they're 18 and no longer forced to go. Only one out of six men attend church at least once a month. We have a pandemic on our hands. We no longer have biblical truth being taught to men and therefore, when you don't have biblical truth being talked to somebody, you have society's truth being talked to somebody. And men are learning from everywhere and anywhere how to be men and failing miserably at it. Ladies? Time we take manhood back. You say, Gary, I don't understand what the big deal is about it. Everything. Is a big deal about it. We have a generation of men who are growing up under a false understanding of what it means to be a man. I have a lot of opinions. You might find that shocking. I'm a very opinionated person, which is always funny to me that people ask my opinion and then get offended by my opinion that they asked for. You asked. But here's something you might not know about me. I have a lot of opinions, but I have very few convictions. 
To me, convictions are something you're willing to die over. A conviction is something that you're so dogmatic in your belief of that no matter what happens, it's not going to change your vision, your uh, opinion. It might, it might evolve a little bit. It might tweak a little bit. But the belief that you have has been studied out and it is ironclad. I live by the conviction that the church should be doing everything it can to reach men. Action Church was started to reach men. No offense, ladies. We're glad you're here. We couldn't function without you. Place looks a whole lot better looking out and seeing you. We love you and we appreciate you, but we didn't start this church for you. We started this church to reach men. They say if you get a man attending church, you have an 87% chance of the entire family attending church. 87%. If the woman starts attending church first, you only have a 17% chance of getting the entire family to church. You reach the entire family, you impact an entire family when you impact a man. We're 100% church for dudes. The music is geared towards dudes. I've had women come to me like, can we turn it down a little bit? No. We can't. We're not going to. I'm not being a jerk about it. We're not. There's earplugs out there for a reason. If it's too loud, you're probably too old. But there's earplugs. Someone brought a song to me recently. I said, I'd love Phil to do this song. And so I went and listened to the song. And when I heard the song, I knew I was never taking it to Phil. But she followed up. I hate when they follow up. I practice this method called the ignore method. You come to me with an idea, I ignore your idea, and you go away. In this situation, it did not work. She said, what did you think of that song? I said, man, we will never do that song. Why? Well, you asked. I said, if I didn't know that song was about God, I would think it was just some love song to another dude. We're not going to sing some love song to Jesus about how wimpy he is. Jesus was a man's man. I don't want to sing about wet, sloppy kisses coming down or whatever the bull crap is. We're not doing it. Geared towards men. We have a society that refuses to be men. I'm not talking about men outside the church because you can't expect unbelievers to act like believers. I'm talking about men in the church. If the men in the church who called themselves Christ followers would step up and live their life like God lays out for men to live, we'd have a better society. Everything rises and falls on leadership. And we have men who no longer want to lead. And let me go ahead and tell you, parents, the reason they don't want to lead is because you've babied them their entire lives. And you babied them, and then they found a wife or a spouse that babies them, and they never had to grow up. So many men think their job is simply to go to work eight hours a day and come home and watch the woman do everything else. I did my duty. We have a bunch of grown boys. I'm a huge believer that if men would step up, it'd solve most of the problems in our nation. You can blame all the country's problems on political things that you want, and the reality is we don't have a political problem. We have a masculinity problem. Men have stopped leading. Notice I did not say men have stopped dictating, lording over people, thinking they're in charge just because they have a penis. I simply said, men have stopped leading. Do you know that 90% of inmates in prison didn't have a relationship with their father? 90%. 90. 90%. Nine out of 10 men in prison didn't have a relationship with their father. So don't tell me that masculinity isn't important. 
44% of those in poverty are single mothers. Single mothers. The man was man enough to lay around, but not man enough to stay around. 41% of women having children today are having them out of wedlock. 63% of youth suicide is from fatherless homes. 63%. 92% of runaways. That's staggering. I don't know that I ever made a 92 in my life taking a test. 92% of runaways are from fatherless homes. 85% of children with behavior disorders are from fatherless homes. 80%, 80% of all convicted rapists are from fatherless homes. 71% of high school dropouts are from fatherless homes. 73% of teen pregnancy taking place in fatherless homes. So you continue to stick your head in the ground and act like we don't have a problem with men being men. We have a pandemic on our hands. We have an epidemic on our hands. We have a huge issue on our hands and what society does instead of encouraging masculinity is they now have went on an attack against masculinity. And the church, instead of responding with biblical truth about masculinity, has neutered masculinity. And men no longer want to be men. Now listen to me, if you're a single mom out there today, don't get discouraged. You can break those stats. You can be a difference maker in your child's life. But the stats don't lie. I think one of the saddest verses in all the Bible, and I've said it every time I've read this verse, it is found in Ezekiel 22. Look what it says. This is God speaking. He said, so I sought for a man among them who would make a wall. I sought for a man who would stand in the gap before me on behalf of the land. He said, I looked out and I saw how they weren't living right and they weren't doing right. And he said, I just looked for a man, singular, one dude. He said, I looked out over the landscape of the thing and said, can I find one man who will stand on truth? Can I find one man who will stand in the gap? Can I find one man who will stand on the wall? Look what it says. On behalf of the land that I should not destroy it. But I found no one. 2023, masculinity is not a new problem. It's been going on since the beginning of time. Self-entitled men who don't think they have to take on the responsibility of being a man. Let me say that word again because it's a word our society hates. I said the responsibility of being a man. As a man, you have some responsibilities. You don't have to like those responsibilities. You cannot want to do those responsibilities. You can disagree with me on responsibilities, and I'll go ahead and say this. You can disagree all day long, and you can have the testicular fortitude to come to me and disagree, but I guarantee you when I examine your life because you disagree on this subject, I'll find, and the Bible will find, and the people in your life will find your masculinity lacking. You ain't got to like it. I ain't here to be your friend. Let me make that real clear today. I love being your pastor, but I ain't my job to be your friend. If you decide never to come back to this church today, you'll leave this church knowing what the Bible says about being a man. I really don't care. You say, what if everyone leaves? And we'll shut it down and I'll have Sundays off for once. I don't care. We'll find another speaker. Trust me, you won't. That's a speaker. I'm a preacher. Benefit of the building being in my name. I'll shut it down before you bring some limp-wristed, passive man in here who's going to coddle you and, and babysit you. Say, why are you mad today? I'm not mad. I'm in a great mood. I honestly am in a great mood. I'm just passionate about this subject. Can't help but think God looks around the church today and he says, man, I want to do something great. I want to change cities. I want to restore families. 
I want people to live their life to their greatest potential. I want to do great things. But I'm just looking for some men to take a lead, and I can't find one. There's a lot of people who look like men, but act like boys. They're more grown men. Now, I'm going to hurt some of your feelings here, and that's okay. And I'm not saying there's anything wrong with this, so don't misunderstand me. But when you're more interested in playing video games, grown men, than you are leading, there's a problem. When you're more interested in looking at porn than you are leading, there's a problem. The amount of grown men who are still living in mommy and daddy's basement is staggering to me. It's okay when they're 14. We got men doing it that are in their 30s. I'm not trying to be sexist this morning, but I'm telling you that a movement will never be any stronger than the men in that movement. We have passive men. Luke played football for the first time last year. It was eye-opening to me. You might find this surprising. I'm very opinionated. Second time I've said that. And I would leave football practice and Christian be like, what you got? Those coaches are worthless. Now let me preface this and say Jason's one of the coaches and he was a good coach. He's also my neighbor, so if he was a bad coach, I'm not going to call him out. But literally, it was horrible. Men who wanted to lead, supposedly, it's why they were coaching. They wouldn't even open their mouths. Instilling no discipline in the kids. I heard the coaches on the sideline talking about drinking fireball more than they were winning. Like a bunch of damn frat boys. And thought it was funny. They would come up to me, I'll never forget one of them to me, and they said, I just need a shot of fireball. I said, why? I said, I might have called him the P word. You say it's inappropriate, I don't care. To this day, he avoids me. Good. Christine, the other day, said, God, he goes out of his way to avoid you. Good. Funny thing is, he's a big old dude. And he's everything a man shouldn't be. I watch his wife boss him around. I watch his kids boss him around. I hope he's watching online today. That's how bad he irritates me. We had another coach that his little fat son played the game. Oh, yeah. Let me go ahead and tell you this how I feel. They wouldn't say anything to the kid during practice. So then he's smarting off to the rest of the game. We get a flag thrown. I say something. In the middle of the game when he ought to be disciplining his kid, he walks over on the sideline to me and says, you really hurt my son's feelings. We're in the middle of a football game. I said, and? Bubba's grabbing my arm. I can see the look of terror on Christine's face, five people down. Why? I mean, he's upset. I said he ought to be upset. He just calls us to play. So why don't you get on his ass? Guess what? He avoids me too now. I don't care. Luke made the other team this year. Good. I went up to the coach the first day of practice. I said, you know who I am? I don't. I said, I'm great. I used to coach Luke. I said, I want to make something real clear to you. I could tell he was thinking I was just going to be some suburbanite parent fixing to call on my kid. I said, I don't care if you yell at any kid out here, you can yell at that kid. I said, you get in his... I, I cuss sometimes. I said, if he's slacking, you get on him. I said, if you feel the need, now use your judgment, but if you feel the need to slap him across the head, you got my blessing to slap him across the head. If I'm lying, I'm down. It literally looked like this coach just lost a 1,000 pounds of just stress. He's like, thank you so much. Because he's used to having to coddle kids because we got parents that want to coddle their kids. They want to be winners and they want to complain about not winning, but then they don't want to put in the work not to win. But they can't put in the work not to win because they got grown boys coaching them and coddling them. Like I just, people say, you're such a jerk, you don't get along. I just don't get along and I don't connect with men who don't want to grow up. 
Now, I also understand I'm probably unbalanced in that. I don't have a lot of hobbies. I don't do a lot of stuff. I don't really get it. I feel like my job is to protect and provide my family, and that's what I focus on. But it irritates the hell out of me. We're to be men. Our families should know they're protected and provided for and taken care of. They don't have to stress about things. It's our responsibility. But God sought for a man and he can't find any because he's got a bunch of boys. I think it's cool to be boys. We, got, we just have a generation. I just don't remember growing up my parents acting like adults do now. You need to understand something. God created a man with the heart of a warrior. God created a man with the heart of a warrior. What I'm telling you today is not something that doesn't make sense. It's something men are born with. Boys, listen, it's going to hurt some feelings too. Let's just hurt all the feelings today. Boys and girls are different. They are. There's no way around it. What's the old Arnold Schwarzenegger movie? Boys have a penis, girls have a vagina. It is what it is. We're different. I understand that there's exceptions, and I'm swiping with broad strokes here, but there's something about boys There's different. I watch my boys out there in the yard with Jason. No one had to teach those boys how to wrestle. They just do it. No one had to teach them how to fight. They just do it. No one had to teach them how to argue. No one had to teach them to literally want to spend all day in a yard throwing a football. They just do it. There's something in boys that, like, you can take girls to the pool and they're going to lay out and they're going to do this, and and boys are just going to push each other in and chase each other around the pool and they're going to drive you crazy and they're going to make you insane. There's just something different about boys. They're going to come in dirty. They're going to come in with bruises and cuts. And girls just don't do that overall. I know some girl's going to message me like, well, I was a boy, I was a baby, I did good. I'm exception to the rules. God created men with the heart of a warrior. They're born with something in them to know that they are made for something bigger. Every man, every boy. The Bible says in Exodus 15, 3, the Lord is a warrior. Choke on that. The Lord is a warrior and the Lord is his name. Men, we are made in the image of God. And the Bible says God is a warrior. The Bible also says God is love, so you don't get to go to extremes. God puts something inside of men that yearns for us to lead. God puts something in the heart of men that yearns for them to be something, be part of something bigger than themselves. The only man who don't want to be part of something bigger than themselves is a man who over time has been neutered. There's a desire in every man to make a difference. Now that difference looks different. Every man has a desire to make a difference. Every man has a cause birthed in him that there's something to fight for. I don't know what that something is, and we'll get to that, but every man has a cause. My goal today is not to beat up on the men. The church has done that enough. I always laugh in the church, man. Like on um, Mother's Day, all the mothers come, and we preach a sermon praising moms. And then Father's Day comes, and all the preachers preach sermons just beating up on the men. I'm not here to beat up on you today. I'm here to encourage you today. My job is to make you realize that you were born with the heart of a warrior. That feeling that is inside of you to be part of something bigger than you are is natural. That desire in you to provide is natural. That desire in you to protect is natural. That desire in you to make a difference is natural because you're born with it. That there's a warrior inside every man that is waiting to break free, but the problem is we've scared men from allowing it to break free. Instead of teaching men to control their wild side, we try to teach men to kill their wild side. The wildness that is in us. You know why? 
I should have brought a psychiatrist here today. Your guys, women say, I want a good man, I want a good man, I want a good man. And then every time on Facebook, someone will comment, you had a good man, but you put him in the friend zone. You know why she put him in the friend zone? Because every woman deep inside of her knows the purpose of a man. And they want a good man. They want a faithful man. They want a man that's going to provide. They want a man that's going to protect. But every woman wants a little bit of a wild man. They all want a little bit of a bad boy. Now, they don't want a bad boy who doesn't have his badness under control. The problem is we've mistaken wild men for bad boys. Every woman, listen, I'm not trying to be mean here. I'm not trying to be perverted. And I ain't trying to be anything. But every woman gets a little bit turned on. You're out in public and all hell breaks loose. And you know without a shadow of a doubt, if it got over your way, your man's going to fight and take care of it for you. No woman wants to be with a man who's going to cower in that face of that. Look at their spouse and say, let's leave in the face of this. I'm not saying we go out looking for fights and we look for trouble, but every woman wants to know that, man, at any moment, my man, if need be, will whoop his ass or at least attempt to whoop his ass if necessary. He friend-zoned me. No, you were just a good little boy. He had no respect for you. The warrior looking to break free. There's something inside of every man that causes him to be willing to die for a certain cause. I don't know what that cause is. It's different for everyone. That's why all the causes get taken care of because God births different causes in all of us. Everyone's cause can't be my cause. My cause can't be everyone else's cause. God created man with the heart of a warrior. You know what else? Like I said, every man has a cause to fight for. Every man needs to realize that God created you and shaped you and made you for a certain cause. We're wired for battle. We're wired for it. That, that's why as men, overall, swiping with broad strokes in case I offend somebody, we're all drawn to certain kinds of movies. I know very few men who aren't drawn to Gladiator. Can't quote it at the drop of a hat. We love that movie. Braveheart. If I'm flipping through the channels and 300 is on, I'm stopping for a minute. It's just wired in me. If I'm flipping through the channels and the notebook is on, I am not stopping. I've never had a desire to stop. I don't want to stop. It's funny. I think they're in here. I'm going to embarrass them. No, they're not in here. Okay, cool. Emily has this little boyfriend, and her little friend has a little friend. We should watch The Notebook. And the boys are trying to get in good. And I don't think they knew what The Notebook was. Oh, yeah, let's watch The Notebook. And I'm sitting upstairs laughing. I'm like, you don't want to watch The Notebook. About 30 minutes in, I hear them trying to be like, hey, I think we got to get going. Yeah, I guarantee you if 300 had been on, they wouldn't have had to go anywhere. The Patriot. It's why at 47 years old, and I probably haven't seen him in 15 years, I can quote every line of Rocky if it was on right now. Men have a cause to fight for. It it's just gets our blood pumping. It, it begins to drive that primal desire in us to conquer. Men are conquerors. Women overall, women are nurturers. Men are conquerors. The way it goes. That, that's why they fit so good together. We go out and conquer. We come home and women nurture. When we get it out of God's order, we don't know what to do. That doesn't mean that women can't be conquerors. That doesn't mean women can't be business owners. That doesn't mean women can't be leaders. That's not what I'm saying. But you know something I've noticed? Even the strongest female leaders, if they have a man 
who honors them and respects them and treats them as an equal, they will submit to his leadership. Because they know they don't have to submit to his leadership because he thinks they can't do it. They're submitting to his leadership because he knows he doesn't want them to have to do it. Big difference. Matter of fact, I'm going to put them on the spot and be funny here because I didn't know. So one day, so we all know David is here. I think they're on the other side of the room today instead of the regular side of the room. Where are they at? So one day, me and Christine are driving down the road. Sierra's a leader. David's a leader. Yes, Sierra's successful. David's successful. Somehow we're talking about them. We're talking about men. And I said something. I said, ain't no way Sierra listens to David. She said, what do you mean? I said, I said, and I won't go into intimate details because she didn't go into intimate details with me. But I said, there's just no, I said, Sierra's a leader. She said, so is David. I said, yeah. But I think Sierra would whoop David. I don't think she listens. And I'll never forget Christine. I don't even know where Christine is. Keep pointing down here. She's done laugh by the message. It's already offended her. (laughs) She said, oh, you'd be shocked. We've had that discussion before. She's told me she submits to David's leadership in these areas. You know why? Not because she's less of a leader. Because he honors her and respects her as an equal. And he has her best interest in mind. So it's not a lording over submission. See, the problem with you women is you've been feminized so much that you think submission's a bad word. Submission's not a bad word. It's not a weak word. We submit to each other. Submission is one of the most beautiful forms of respect and honor there is. There's areas in our life I submit to my wife. Why? Because she's the boss. She knows better. I don't know. Couldn't tell you. Literally. I couldn't, <laughs> I couldn't tell you how much money we have in our account right now at all. I couldn't even guess. I don't know. I don't care. I'm just never worried about that kind of stuff. My philosophy is I got checks and a card and it, I can run it. There's money. what I do. If it ever got to a stage, though, where Christine was like, hey, uh, I do know what's in the account, and she came to me about something, I would submit to her in that area. Not because she's the boss of the money, but because I honor her as someone who takes care of that stuff. When I met Christine, I had all my money literally in hand. I had opened an account for the first time ever in my adult life by myself two months before I met her. She said, how much money you got? We're going to talk about finances. What do you, how many? I said, I don't know. I said, I think I got this much money in the bank. She said, what do you base? I said, I keep up with it in my head. Hmm. She goes, I'd like to balance the books for you. I said, go balance them. If I'm lying, I'm dying. She will tell you this story. Ten hours later, I wake up about four in the morning. She's still at the table. I said, what are you doing? She said, how much money did you think you had in the bank? I said, about this. She said, no, you about 6000 off. Not in your favor. You probably need to stop spending money. Oh, okay. Learn my lesson. I submit to her in that area. So it's not a bad thing. But, but we're created with a cause to fight for. And the soul of every woman, I mean, excuse me, and every man in the DNA of every man in our hearts, we want to fight... But the problem is we spend our life fighting for the wrong things. Men are going to fight. That's what we do. We're going to battle. But we spend our time battling the wrong things. We major on the minors. We spend our time fighting for fame, money, possessions. We're we're fighting to keep up with the Joneses. Well, they got this in their house. I'm going to get that in my house. They got this car. I'm going to get that car. Well, they got to go on this trip. I'm going to go. We're fighting for all the wrong things, and we're wondering why we come up lacking and wanting. You're put on this earth for something bigger than possessions. You're put on this earth to make a difference, and God puts a cause in your heart to fight. If we could ever shift our mindset to focus on the things that matter, the calling that is birthed within you, and I don't know what that calling is, but by God, I know you do. It's the thing that gets you excited. It's the thing that gets you pumped up. It's the thing that that makes you want to get out of bed in the morning. But the problem is so many of us have squelched that. We've been told it wasn't important by society when it was so important. 
We changed the world. Look, look what Nehemiah said as he's rebuilding the wall and the people are getting tired. He looked, I looked and I rose and I said to the nobles. I like how he starts with the leaders because that's important. He said, I start to the nobles, to the leaders, to the rest of the people. Don't be afraid of them. He said, don't be afraid of those that want to attack us. He said, remember the Lord, great and awesome. And, and look what he said. I can't believe we're talking about fighting in church. He says, and fight for your brethren. Fight for your sons. Fight for your daughters. Fight for your wives. And fight for your houses. There's some things worth fighting for. There's some things you're going to have to fight for. There's just some things you don't get to be passive about. There's something well, you can be passive about, and with the results you're getting or what you get. We don't get to ignore some things. Man, I need you to understand me. It is okay to unleash the warrior that is in you, but you got to unleash it on things that matter. We need to fight for our families. We need to fight for our brothers. We need to fight for our homes. We need to fight for our communities. We need to fight for our country. Went to a concert last night, and the guy got up, and he was talking, and he said something that I thought was very profound. He was sharing a story. It was, his name was Struggle Jennings. He's Waylon Jennings' grandson, and I, I've loved Struggle Jennings for years, and he has a song that made him kind of big, and it's called, excuse my language, but it's called Outlaw Shit, and he, he kind of dubs in Waylon's um, sing the old version of that, and he's rapping on it, and he gets in there, and in the song, because the song now is almost 15 years old, believe it or not, and he says, his, he goes, in the song, he says, my three-year-old's name came from my indictment, meaning he had just got arrested. He went to prison for seven years, and, and from that, something triggered the name that he named his daughter, okay? So he's up there sharing. He goes, this, this song I just found out, I think he said it was going double platinum or something after all these years, and he said, I gave this line about my daughter. She was three years old at the time. He goes, and then I went to prison for seven years until she was 10, he said, for the last five years, I got my life together. And bless his heart, I, with all due respect and struggle, he said, that's not me. He goes, I now have full custody of all seven of my kids. Well, bless you with your seven kids, you crazy SOB. But he said, that three-year-old in that song just graduated high school last year with a 3.9 GPA. He said, because I got my stuff together. And I taught my children the importance of no matter where you come from, what you've been through, or what I've done, you can fight to have a better future. And he said this, he talked all, he, I thought it was just very profound, he said, do not complain about our country if you're not willing to teach our, your children how to make it a better place. Man, it was powerful. It was powerful. What he was saying was, I messed up, I screwed up, I went to prison for seven years, but I got my stuff together. And he said, I realize there's some things worth fighting for. We don't have a political problem in this country. We have a problem that we didn't raise children right. Parents were the responsible ones. We wanted our kids to have it better than we did. And we didn't fight for them. We made it too soft for them. Funny, we turned out pretty good with it being hard. Because life is hard. We're raising a bunch of kids that are going to go out on their own and realize life is hard, but you've never allowed them to go through anything hard. And then you don't understand why they crumble when it happens. Life is hard. you got to fight. But men don't want to fight anymore. It'll be a cold day in hell where I don't fight for things I believe when it comes to this community. I love this community. I felt called to this community 17, 18 years ago. I love this city. People say, you hate this. You know, I love this city. I get angry with this city because I love it so much. I'm going to fight for my family. I'm going to fight for my children. My daughter went through some stuff in the last year. You don't think I was ready to fight over it? You don't think we did fight over it? That was very trying for me, though, because you know what? I had to learn to fight a different way. I could have kicked in someone's door. Could have done something stupid. You don't think I could have called Papa real quick and we could have handled it in two seconds? There's a way to fight, but you got to learn to fight smart sometimes. 
Someone kept, people kept asking, why will you not let this go? We're not going to let it go because it has to do with our daughter and some things that we're fighting for. And that's the problem. You've let it go too long. And when you look at your kids and say, I'm just going to allow this and let it go because we just want it to go away, they're going to grow up thinking it's acceptable. Y'all don't want that truth, though. We need to fight to make sure that, that, we're, that we're, we need to fight for ourselves. We need to fight for our finances. Man, we need to fight. Life is, you need to fight for your marriage. You need to fight for the relationship that you are in. If it's not worth fighting anymore, then you need to find one that is worth fighting for probably. It's going to be honest with you. Some of you women, man, you're raising a husband. I don't know how you do it. I wouldn't do it. Telling you right now, I would not do it. You'd rather raise a husband than be alone. Don't get a lot of amens on that. Recently had a city council member talk to me about the drug problem in Canton something I'm passionate about, something I've been more passionate about in the past, but I've been very passionate about it over the years. And he told me something. He said, you just need to learn there's some battles you can win and some battles you can lose, and you just got to pick and choose your battles. You can't win that war. Maybe, maybe not, but it's a battle we're fighting for. I, I'm sick and tired of having to bury those that overdose I'd much rather fight for those before they do overdose. That's what we're fighting for. But you got to be willing to fight. You got to quit saying it's not my problem and fight for what you need to fight for. We have a passive society that's belling on things, but we need to realize something was birthed in us. The desire, the need, the, um, the calls to fight for. I, I don't know what your cause is, but you do. Man, you, you know why you feel empty inside? I'm going to be real honest with you. Ladies, you might not even realize your man feels this way. A lot of men feel empty inside. There's a void in them, and that's why they chase women. That's why they drink. That's why they refuse to grow up, because there's a void inside of them. Here's the void in them. They've never embraced their cause to fight for. And maybe you unknowingly, even when they've come to you with the thing they're passionate about and they want to fight for, maybe you've shot it down. How's that going to pay the bills? So you're going to give that your time and not give this your time? I don't think you mean anything by it. You didn't even realize it. What you didn't realize was, was something was being birthed inside the man that you have because every man has a cause to fight for. And so what happens is when you neuter him, when you, when you eradicate that fire in him, when you throw water on it, he's going to fill that void somewhere else. And you hope it would be through you, but it's not going to be. And that's why you find yourself lacking with your husband. He has, a, he has a, something in him. No man was created to get up, go to a job they hate, come home every day, cut the grass, go through the most. I understand you got to do that stuff. Get up and do it again. It's not what we were made for. Go back and look through time before we became industrialized and civilized. Not what we were made for. They were leaders. They worked and they were fighters and they were conquerors. Now we become robots. And a man can't deal with that. He might not even realize that. You might not realize it as females what the problem is, but there's a cause to fight for him, and that void's getting filled by other things because for whatever reason, either he doesn't think he can do it or you didn't think he could do it or his mommy and daddy didn't encourage him to do it or whatever. And so he's thrown so much water on that fire that it seems like it's impossible to ignite again, but it will ignite. It will dry out, and you can ignite it. We need some men who are willing to fight. So all this quote, I've always loved it. It says, every man dies, but not every man truly lives. You get one shot at this thing called life. It's funny because people, it, 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 it's amusing. Me and Christine had this discussion two days. Matter of fact, we had it with David and Sierra. And uh, 
we had dinner with him Friday night, and we're talking, and Christine's like, all of my friends just think Gary's an a-hole because he is an a-hole. I am. And they're just used to him by now. Maybe I'm an a-hole. And no offense to any of those people because I like them all, but maybe that's just not my focus in life. I don't need to stand at the end of the driveway and shoot the crap with you. I don't need to see you on Main Street and catch up with you. I'm focused on what I want to do. Does not mean I don't like you? I like you. I'll do anything in the world for you. But I know my purpose, and I, I, I know my calling. And I'm probably unbalanced in purpose and calling. I accept that to the point that that's what I focus on. And it works for me. And it seems to work for my marriage, and it seems to work for my family. And we have a good life, and we get to do what we want to do, and it seems to work. But, but I, I don't have time to be sidetracked by things. That doesn't mean you're not... I'm not saying y'all do not have fun. I have fun. I have more fun asleep than most people have awake. I'm a basket of freaking joy. I love life. But I have a cause worth fighting for. I'm going to fight for it. I'm going to make sure that I live my life to the fullest. I'm going to try everything. Someone said, what if you fail? You fail. I don't care. I don't care. Like, I, I, like, sometimes it worries me how much I don't care. I've started over, I'll start over again. I'm not afraid of that. Failure's not fatal. Every man dies, but not every man lives. A man without a cause to fight for will find the wrong things to fight against. Show me a guy. Show me a guy that treats the woman he's with like crap, his kids like dogs, and I'll show you a man who doesn't have a cause to fight for. And that aggression is coming out in the wrong areas. Men will begin to rebel against authority. They have no cause. They get bored. And when men get bored, we self-destruct. When men don't have a cause to fight for, they begin to hurt the people they love the most. And they begin to destroy relationships because there's a void there for not having a cause to fight for. Paul wrote most of the New Testament was like this. Look, look what Paul was like before he met Christ. As for Saul, that was Paul. He made havoc of the church, entering every house and dragging off men and women, committing them to prison. So here's Paul before he meets Christ. He has no purpose in life. He doesn't realize that, that God has a plan for his life and God wants him to go plant churches all over the world. And at this time, he's literally persecuting Christians. He's filling that void in negative ways. Paul was a warrior, but he was a warrior. <laughs> Paul was a warrior. But he was a warrior without a cause at this time. Instead of fighting for the right things, he was fighting for all the wrong things. So the question becomes, what is your cause? Men, what is your cause? I, I don't know what it is, but you do. A warrior that has a cause to fight for is a warrior that has something to live for. And a warrior who has something to live for is way more dangerous in battle than a warrior who has nothing to live for. I've seen people go into battles and they're like, I have nothing to live for. Those people, they're not as sharp. Those who go into battle knowing they have something to live for, they're going to do whatever they can to win and stay alive. What is your cause? You got to fight for that cause, man. Maybe your cause is your children. Maybe your cause is homelessness. Maybe your cause is addicts. Maybe your cause is to teach men how to be men. Maybe it's to teach men how to manage their finances or teach families how to manage their finances. I don't know what it is, but you do. What's your cause? And there's two ways you go about your cause, and I'm done. The first is sometimes you've got to throw a punch. A man who's not willing to fight is a man who will be defeated. I didn't say you have to be a man who loves to fight. I didn't say you have to be a man looking for a fight. But a man who's not willing to fight will be defeated every time. What's the old saying? I'm going to butcher it. Better to be a warrior in a garden than a gardener in a war. Sometimes you have to throw a punch. The Bible says in Ecclesiastes 3, there's a time to love, a time to hate, a time of war, and a time of peace. There's times to fight. Sometimes you've got to step up and realize I'm going to fight for what I need to do. I'm going to fight for my family. If that means I've got to break off this part of my family to make sure this family stays intact, I'm going to cut off those people. 
There's times you've got to fight for your children. That means you might have to burn the town down to fight for your children, but you're willing to fight for your children. Some of you are so passive in trying to keep the peace that you don't want to fight anymore, and you think you're winning because you're passive, but you're really losing. You have no peace in your life. You have no, you have no cause in your life. You, you, you feel neutered because the person that you're trying to keep the peace with is destroying you and walking all over you. Sometimes you've got to throw a punch. Sometimes you've got to be willing to fight. Matthew 10, 35 says, Do not think I came to bring peace on earth. I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. Sometimes you've got to swing a sword. Ain't a lot of pastors getting up on stage saying you've got to fight, but sometimes you've got to fight. When you steal a man's right to fight, you emasculate him in every area. I remember there was a day and time me and my little brother were in the front yard throwing down. I mean, swinging, punching, fighting. I remember my mom came out, jerked a knot in us, and threw us back inside the house. The next day, she came out again. Me and my little brother are out there fighting, throwing punches. She came in, broke us up, brought us inside. Third day, me and my little brother in the front yard, we're fighting. We're fighting. My mom goes to break it up. My dad grabs her by and says, stop. Let them fight. I remember hearing it and be like, oh, it's on now. Me and my little brother fought for about 45 seconds. We stopped, looked at each other, worked it out, and I never remember us physically fighting ever again. We resolved it by throwing punches sometimes. She could have broke it up 50 more times and we'd have done it every day. When we figured it out on our own, we figured it out on our own. Sometimes boys need to fight. I'll never forget Luke coming home. He was cocky. And Christine said, we're going to do I said, we're going to let him get his tail whooped. He said, well, I said, I said he's going to get punched in the mouth one day, and he's going to learn. I don't want him to learn that way. As his dad, I hate for him to learn that way. But I can tell him all day long he's not going to listen. I'm just dad. What do I know? Football coach the other day was telling him things. I, he said, you know what my football coach told me, dad? What? He said, I got to get down. and do. I looked at him and said, all the stuff I told you? I told you every single thing he just told you. I said, I'm dad. What do I know? You know what I'm saying? But dad, he's the coach. Right. My dad used to say, if you didn't start it, you have permission to finish it. Sometimes you got to throw a punch. And here's the thing about fighting, and this is what you need to realize for whatever it is you're fighting for. And I'm not talking about physically fighting, though sometimes you got to physically fight. I'm talking about fighting for things that are important. There's no rules in fighting. That's the big lie about fighting. He fought dirty. It's a fight. You come at me. Look, I got a business partner who's a professional fighter. It's what he does. One of the heavyweight kickboxing champions of America. He's one of my partners. If the day ever comes where he gets mad and we have to fight, you think I'm going to try to fight him fair? No. You think I'm going to take pride and say, well, I fought him fair. No, I'm going to shoot him. I'm going to stab him. I'm going to pick up a chair and hit him. I'm not going to wait for him to swing first. If I feel like there's no way to defuse the situation, I'm doing something. And I probably still ain't going to win. But I, you think I care if it's fighting. I, I'm there to win the fight. I'm going to do whatever I can. I'm in a group chat with him. and He talks about all his elements for playing football. I take notes. I don't think it's ever going to turn to that. We've never even had a disagreement. I'm like, you got a bad knee. You remember that. It gets heated. He got a bad ankle. I need to remember that. Oh, he said, what happened? Oh, okay. Man, Hank, listen, sometimes you've got to fight. And sometimes you've got to get dirty and fight. I was watching this thing on Vikings, and back in the day there was rules to fighting, and you'd meet in the field, and they'd meet in the field, and they'd, it was stupid. The Vikings learned that we can hide out in the woods and ambush people. He said, well, that's dirty. Well, guess what they still want? When they took over the countries, no one cared that it was dirty. They had the rule over the country because they learned to fight. 
Sometimes you've got to fight. There'll be times when you have to fight on your knees, praying for your family. There'll be times you have to fight with your actions. Sometimes you're going to have to fight for the woman that you love to prove to her, man, what you screwed up, you'll get back. There's times when when you've messed up with your kids, you're going to have to fight to rebuild their trust. There's times in your career when you mess up and they're doubting, you're going to have to fight to prove to them, man, that was a one-time thing. Some of you need to quit fighting with your wife. Start fighting for your wife. Some of you ladies need to quit fighting with your husband and start fighting for your husband. So sometimes, man, you got to throw a punch and I'm done right here. Sometimes you turn a cheek. Big key to fight is knowing when to fight. I'll never forget a guy telling me one time, you know, you don't got to go to every fight you're invited to. He said, you're a grown adult now. He said, there's going to be times you've got to fight. But you don't got to show up to every fight you're invited to. I was reading about samurais recently, and they said one of the keys in their training is they teach the samurais to know when to physically fight and when not to. At our last fight night here, we had a situation over here. And I see Warren, again, Warren's my partner, trained fighter, professional fighter, trained in security. And I see him talking with these guys, and I can see the guys getting animated. I don't see Warren getting animated. Not that Warren couldn't handle it. But I, in my mind, at the moment, he couldn't handle it. So I come bolting across the room. I'm in their face. I'm pointing. I'm screaming. I ignite the whole situation ten times worse. Warren had me back, and when it was over, he said, I had de-escalated that before you got there. I said, oh, I just saw across the room. It didn't look like it. He goes, it was calm. He said, we can't rile everybody up nonstop. Sometimes you just got to let them rant, let them rave, and stay calm. It's funny because right behind where this is going on is the commentating table. Uncle Randy was there and Gunner because they're our commentators. Randy's pulling on my shirt because he notices I'm riling it up. Hey, hey, come over here and get on the mic. Come talk with us. They ain't never invited me to talk on the mic before. They were just trying to get me out of that situation because I was igniting the situation instead of keeping it calm. Sometimes you got to turn the other cheek. Sometimes the way you win the fight is by turning the other cheek. At times, Jesus fought with his actions, and other times he fought by turning the cheek. And trust me, there was nothing wimpy about Jesus. When Jesus gave his life, they beat him to a bloody pulp, and he turned the other cheek. He fought with love for you and I. There's times, man, when I'm being attacked, Christian, like, why won't you respond? It's not time to respond. Just let it work out. Let it play out. In the end, it always works out. Revelation 19.11 says this, and I saw a window open, and behold, a white horse is when Christ is coming back. And he who sat with him was called faithful and true, and in righteousness he judges and he makes war. He's talking about God here, Jesus. His eyes were like a flame of fire, and on his head were many crowns. He had a name written that no one knew, no one knew except himself. He was clothed with a robe dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God. The armies of heaven, clothed in fine linen, white and clean, followed him on white horses. Now out of his mouth came a sharp sword, that with it he should strike the nations. And he himself will rule with them, a rod of iron. He himself treads the winepress of the fierceness and wrath of the Almighty God. And he was on his robe, and on his name, on, on his thigh was written, King of kings and Lord of lords. I want you to picture this. The same man who turned his cheek and hung on a cross, it's coming back with a sword out of his mouth, clothes dipped in blood, and tattoos down his legs that say, Lord, Lord, and King of Kings. Jesus knew there was a time to be passive and a time to fight. The problem is you don't know when to separate the two. You're always looking for a fight or you're always being passive. Real men know they have a cause to fight for. Real men understand they have a responsibility to be a man. Real men understand that it's no longer time to be a boy got to be a man. You know the goal of parenting? Someone scream up. Goal of parenting. Raise them to leave. Goal of parenting. Raise them up so they leave. They become productive members of society. We need some men that are willing to stand up and do what they're supposed to do. There's nothing 
worse in our society and our country than a white, heterosexual male. You can quote me on that. We're under attack. And we don't need to swing the pendulum over here where it's just every barbarian thinking they can do whatever they want. But we don't need to cave either over here to being passive and not being men. doesn't matter what the rest of the world does. The Bible says every man must give an account for himself. We're responsible for our actions. Men, it's time to lead. It's time to be the men that God created you to be. And ladies, if that scares you, that's because you've never had a man who led. Because when he leads, it will empower you to fall into your giftedness. It will change your lives when he starts being the man he was created to be. I sought for a man among them, Ezekiel said, and I found none. Let's pray.